Welcome to Movie Maker. My name is Tim Malloy, and perhaps you are, like me, a little skeptical of virtual reality. At a very instinctive level, I just do not like the idea of people entering an invented space, sitting there with their glasses on, leaving real life behind. It feels matrixy. But our guest today made me wonder if maybe I've been looking at VR the wrong way, and if it could, rather than disconnect us from the human experience, make us more human. They are Montreal-based Felix Lajeunesse and Paul Raphael, better known as Felix and Paul, the heads of Felix and Paul Studios. It's one of the most successful and important VR companies in the world. The two met making a music video, as I'll let them explain in just a moment. And then they went on to make projects including 2016's Nomads, about the lives of nomadic people, 2017's The People's House, Inside the White House, with Barack and Michelle Obama, featuring the first couple, 2019's Traveling While Black, which was directed by Roger Ross Williams and helps audiences better understand what it was like for black motorists to navigate the segregated South, and 2020's Space Explorers, The ISS Experience, which follows eight astronauts on the International Space Station. They have also collaborated with LeBron James, former President Clinton, Cirque du Soleil, and the Jurassic Park franchise, among many others. They won Emmys for the People's House and Space Explorers, the ISS experience. We're about to talk about making VR projects, but also about the philosophy of making VR and how it can inform and expand our empathy and imagination, just like any other kind of story. But maybe VR can push the expansion even further. I never would have believed that before this conversation, but now I kind of do. And you can decide after this talk whether you do too. You'll hear my voice first, followed by Felix Lajeunesse answering my first question, and the next answer, of course, will be from Paul Raphael. You can learn more about Felix and Paul by watching their new series, Inside Felix and Paul Studios, via MetaQuest or YouTube. There's a link in the show notes also. And now, Felix and Paul. How did you meet? How did this all start? Uh, good question. So we uh, we started a long time ago. Uh, we're sort of like an old couple now. Uh, we um, we met um, at university. Uh, we were both studying film production at uh, Concordia University in Montreal. Um, we actually were one year apart, so we didn't really know each other from school. I think we had common friends. We graduated from university and went off on our respective tracks. Um, it just so happened that I, I loved his short film that he made at university, and I think the same was true the other way around. So we, we we became aware of each other because we were sort of running in film festival circuits with our short film, and we were in competition with one another. And so uh, the year after school, it, it, he became very obvious to me, you know, like and somebody that I would bump into all the time because of our uh, respective work. And uh, and eventually we got an opportunity to pitch on a music video. Um, and I learned that the only person that I would be competing against was this guy. And yeah. I was like, not again, you know, like that's what I'm doing all the time with my short film. And um, and so the, the budget for the music video was dramatically low. And it was the first gig for both of us. We were just coming out of school and um, and we both needed the gig. And so instead of like fighting for breadcrumbs, we decided to try to do it together. And so we, you know, just called each other and said, hey, why don't we try collaborating and see what happens? Um, and it, of course, at that time, if you had asked us, we would have said, 
this is a one-off. Like we don't really even know each other. You know, we know, I think we like each other's work, but we have no conception of how the dynamic of a collaboration is going to pan out. And it turned out that um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we immediately connected on a human level and on a creative level, but also in terms of like what he was good at and what I was good at, which was not the same. And um, and we just started working together and became friends. And it just like uh, went from one project to another to another. And the whole thing just uh, went from inertia to very intense momentum of doing so much work that gradually led us to what we do today. You're doing amazing stuff in VR and AR now, but back then at Concordia, were you doing that sort of work? Was it animation or straight? Yeah, no, it was definitely uh, more traditional uh, 2D uh, based stuff at first. Uh, very quickly, we started integrating, uh, you know, new forms of tech, you know, the way technology that allowed us to to tell new kinds of stories. Uh, so at first it was animation. Uh, eventually uh, that took us even outside of the frame itself. And we started doing more and more immersive work that wasn't VR yet. So it was, you know, uh, combinations of different technologies such as projection mapping, interactivity. Um, we even worked, uh, you know, on some live shows with Cirque du Soleil. Uh, eventually we got really interested in stereoscopy and so 3D cinema basically. But what we were doing is we were combining basically everything we had learned, you know, working outside the frame with 3D to create these kind of, you know, holographic installations, so to speak, right? Where we were using, the, turning the screen into more of a, a window rather than a, for, uh, than a cinematic frame, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we were already, you know, starting to experiment with, you know, plays of scale and perspective and how you could narrow down the variables that you have in 3D cinema, right? Like when you when you make a 3D film, there's a, you know, a whole bunch of different side screens that the film could be shown on, including a television, um, although that's less like, likely today. Um, you could be sitting anywhere in a large, you know, theater, you know, you don't control any of that. But if you if you make an installation, granted, you, you dramatically reduce your potential audience, but you're creating an, a, a curated experience uh, that you know at the time was about as close to VR as as you could you could uh, manage without VR, right? Um, so this was you know just before the the Oculus uh, Kickstarter, a couple of years before the Oculus Kickstarter. And when that was when that came on the scene, uh, we got one of the first uh, prototypes because uh, you know we were interested in that sort of thing, and we immediately uh, saw that everything we had been doing for you know now close to seven or eight years. Uh, was pointing in this direction, right? That we were really trying to 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 create these immersive stories, uh, these holographic stories, in in, in a sense, right? Where um, we were really, you know, it wasn't so much, you know, I use the word stories, but it wasn't so much about the story as much as it was about the user's experience, right? And it was about telling stories that included the user, the viewer, the participant, right? Um, and 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 how to do that gracefully because you know there's there's a way to you know just talk to the talk to the viewer and and you know but they can't respond right there's there's a, there are ways to 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 include the viewer without you know making making uh, a big deal about all the things they actually can't do in response right mm -hmm. um, so that was that became our, our our focus so once 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 the, this once we got our hands on this uh, on this device uh, we were like well okay well. We've, we've spent these years creating, you know, 
these holographic installations, we, we had a good understanding on how to use, you know, how to capture 3D and reproduce scale and um, perspective. And then it was a matter of combining what we had learned doing that with the principles of, um, you know, spherical photography, you know, panoramic photography uh, to create what at the time was the very first uh, VR 3D 360 camera, along with the first few films that that were were done using that technology. I maybe, I guess there's kind of two audiences for your work. There's people who are really into VR and love this stuff, are just like, I can't believe what they thought of now. And then there's other people who are going, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting on the glasses. It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. My brief experience with it uh, so far has been like a, a VR meeting, which was kind of a horrible experience because I didn't know, I was just the guy walking into walls. But then I see stuff that you're doing, which is like, we're going to take you on a NASA space launch somewhere that you would never ever get to go in your entire life and really immerse you in it. And it becomes suddenly worth it to figure out how to, you know, do the little bit of work that's involved in putting on the goggles. Um, so how would you suggest people get involved in your work? How would you suggest that people go and seek out your work and experience it? Well, first of all, I would say that um, unfortunately in the past 10 years, the conversation around virtual reality, I think, has been more focused on the technology than on the medium as an art form. Mm. And uh, and that's a very, I would say, boring conversation to have, like the hardware itself. It's just not interesting. Like, yeah. who cares, really? Apart, apart from the people that build hardware, they have to care about that stuff. But for a general audience, it's just another gadget, right? It, it, it doesn't convey anything if you detach it or decouple it from what it's good at doing, which is uh, give you this feeling that no other medium can truly achieve. And which is what we've been looking for all along, which is the sense of, of establishing presence, you know? And why does that matter? Because, because that's what we know as humans, you know, that's, that's how we are. That's how we exist in the world. It's true. The fact that we uh, are, we are sitting inside of, our consciousness and our senses, right? And that is our sort of interface with the outside world. And that is how we evolved as humans, being present in our own bodies and our own mind and interacting with the world that way. And virtual reality has the aspiration and it's getting better all the time, you know, to be able to speak that language, that language of, of presence, you know, so aligning the medium to the human senses, to the natural sort of human apparatus, uh, if you will, and also trying to, uh, and that's sort of our job or our focus, trying to approach storytelling in, in a way that feels more like a stream of consciousness um, than a, a prepackaged story that is being told to you, you know? And, uh, and what that creates as a feeling is that when you're immersed in a good virtual reality story, it almost feels like it becomes an extension of you. It becomes an extension of your consciousness, of your senses, and it just flows with your own sort of human interface in a way. Um, and uh, and so for, for us, the focus has always been this promise of using VR to tell stories in a more human native way, if in a way. And, and, um, and, and I feel like there was, you know, already back in the days, there were films that we were looking at um, that we were in love with and, and we didn't really know exactly why we love them so much. Well, we, we only realized later in time that 
those films were kind of trying to do that, you know, through the medium of cinema. Um, you know, you think about the 2001 A Space Odyssey, you know, it's a it's a highly experiential film. It's an experience, first and foremost, more more than a narrative in a way. And and the film sort of calls you in like you, it feels like if you're not putting your your full concentration into the film, you're not really going to get it you know you're not going to sort of enter the right frequency and you you will just miss the experience entirely but if you commit to it if you sort of like actively immerse yourself into it you're going to have an unforgettable life-changing experience right and if you look at asian cinema like jia Jiankie, the chinese filmmaker or um the thai filmmaker whose name is so hard to pronounce but apikat pong Setakul, who won a palme d'or at Cannes a couple of years ago um, those artists approach cinema in a way that that is extremely, extremely experiential. And the films don't necessarily appear to make that much sense if you don't really commit to them, to them. But when you do, when you sort of like channel the right level of concentration and commitment to the film, you have a life changing experience, you know, and, and so we thought there's something to that approach to cinema that is asking more from from the viewer that is in a way, putting more trust into the viewer's intelligence and into the viewer's commitment and participation. But man, is it rewarding when you when you do it, you know, when you actually have that experience. And so we thought, what is that quality and how could we sort of tell stories in a way that that utilize that um, synergy between between the viewer and and the um, and the story. And it's not even it's not traditional storytelling, you know, like those films that we loved at the time were not traditional storytelling. They did not respond to the to the description of a traditional cinematic story. They were more cinematic experiences. So that's kind of what we tried to carve and explore. And and all that to say, going back to your question, it's like, why do why should audiences care? Well, I think going into exploring our work, but also exploring other people's work, uh, it's an opportunity to live a a, a, a new form of experience that is really built and designed for you as a human, you know, and it, it's trying to speak a language and, and maybe we're still in the early phases of that, even though it's been a decade. Sorry, I'm, one sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought this was shut off and it's okay. not oh, awful. I'm turning off the phone entirely. So sorry. No, no worries. So maybe we're still in the early phases of that. We've been doing that for a decade, but it's still it's a it's still a new sort of like creative endeavor. But that's kind of that's the promise. That's the that's the objective. Like, for instance, uh, one of our latest show is called Space Explorers, the Infinite. And you go in there. It's a life size reproduction of the space station. And you go um, with, you know, there can be hundreds of people at the same time. It's a location based experience. And you explore the ISS through your avatar and you discover floating orbs, each of which when activated reveals a cinematic 3D 360 scene that has been filmed on board the real space station um, mm -hmm. with astronauts. And, and we did that for almost three years of filming in space with, with them. And the way we would brief the astronauts as to how to work with that camera was always based on the idea that the camera is a protagonist, the camera is the viewer. So we would tell them, look, every camera position we will ever ask from you. And in the moments where we cannot communicate, if you have to make a decision, this is how you should be doing it. Think of it as the camera is the viewer, because literally 
once you get into the infinite and you activate a sphere and you get transported into the real ISS, there is no camera. There is no point of view of a director. It's just you. It's just you there in the space with the astronauts. And so the way they will react to your presence, the way you will be integrated to a scene because of how the camera was placed, all of that is tailored for one thing, is to become a, a fully human-to-human -human experience. Do you see what I mean? Like where you just feel like you belong there. You're supposed to be there, you know? And so all the language is, the cinematic language is built for that sense of presence to flourish and to, to be maximized, you know? And uh, and so that's just one example, but that that is how we approach this medium in a very, I would say, non-technological and fully human-centric way. Um, even, yeah. And instead, that, of I, Kubrick, oh, instead of Stanley Kubrick choosing the shots, you are choosing your own shots. You're looking around, investigating whatever you want to investigate. Really just incredible. Sorry to interrupt, Paul. Yeah. No worries. Uh, I, I was just going to add a, maybe a, also a, a contextual element to your uh, to that answer, which is, you know, we're kind of at the stage now when we're, where we were with computers uh, back before everyone had a computer, whether it be an actual laptop or even a smartphone, which is a mini computer in your pocket. Um, you know, at first, you know, computers were, were really used by a, a select uh, group of people, uh, mostly for, you know, uh, professional uh, purposes. Eventually, you know, games became a big thing on computers, right? We're kind of at that stage now, right? VR has been used for decades, you know, professionally, enterprise, uh, and then gaming, you know, this is the main thing, right? You, you buy a, a quest to play, right? You might do a few other things with it. You might dabble in some of our content. You might do some some exercise, uh, but you're mainly buying one of these devices today to, to play, right? Um, and so, you know, that that's, you, you, could, you could see the focus starting to shift already with the way Apple presented uh, their upcoming device, right? There was actually very little emphasis on gaming and a lot more on media uh, consumption, right? Whether it be media you've created yourself with the spatial capture videos or uh or or films or or even these these VR films that that they're you know producing themselves. So I think that's uh that's that's gonna shift a lot of the way people perceive uh what what these devices are for and and their impressions of them, right? It's like right now people are like, well, I don't care so much about the headset. Well, there's a few reasons for that. Yes, the technology itself as well is is evolving and getting a lot better and more comfortable and 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 lifelike but you know the content is, is very limited if you're not an, a hardcore gamer or someone who really wants to play um you have very few reasons to to, to get with these devices or to even uh you know like them right you, you'll try them and you'll go, well, what are you going to do you know there's there's if, unless you you find the right thing that 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 would fit you which is hard to find because the the even the the interfaces are evolving, right? Like the, that's a huge thing. Like the human, um, you know, inter, human uh, computer interface, right, is, is is something that's that's being figured out. Every every it's it's such a paradigm shift that every aspect of this medium is evolving, kind of in parallel and and not uniformly either, right? It's it's like uh, someone who's like you know working out, but not not in a holistic way, right? And you've got some some strengths and some weaknesses and depending on on who you are as a uh, as a person you can you can go in there and just see the all the weaknesses and none of the strengths or vice versa but to get a to get a a, a kind of broad audience we need 
you know, more of a uh, kind of a well-balanced ecosystem and 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 a maturity uh, of this technology. Yeah, if you're someone like me who kind of uses movies as time travel, I mean, we're watching Sweet Smell of Success right now, a movie from 1956 that's centered largely around Times Square. And it's just cool to be in Times Square in 1956, kind of, in an artificial, detached way through a movie. You're giving everyone the opportunity to do that, to travel through time, to travel through space, a reason to go online, even if you're not a gamer or even if you're not interested in sort of the the wow factor of VR you're sort of, you really are opening up different times and places to people in an incredible way. And I'd love to talk about some of the places that you've taken people to so far, because you've gone back in time, you've gone to space, you've gone on a NASA launch. Can you just take me through a few of the projects? Like for example, the the lunch counter project? The civil sure. rights project? Yeah, uh, you mean the traveling while black? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so I will say this, VR is a great medium to do to go to outer places, places you couldn't go, but it's also a very good medium to go to inner places in the sense that uh, one of the great things that this medium accomplishes is a feeling of uh, looking at the world through someone else's subjectivity, you know, and having the impression that you're, you're, you're very intimate with a, a character's perspective, almost to the point that it feels like your own consciousness was substituted to the character's consciousness to some extent. So we like to think that the best case is when we manage to do both, you know, like take people to extraordinary places, but also take them to extraordinary inner places. Like, for example, uh, with the space project that we did, um, I would say the entire space explorer series, but mainly everything we captured um, in space over the past few years, um, we created a, a virtual reality spectacle in the sense that we captured visual outside of the International Space Station, attaching the camera to Canada Arm 2 and, you know, capturing 3D 360 visuals of planet Earth and of the space station and astronauts doing spacewalks. So there's a spectacular side of things that comes with that and, and it's extremely emotional. But at the same time, the big emphasis on the project was to capture the astronauts' interior experience. What is it like to be living in space, to be one of the very rare people that have committed to leave planet Earth and in certain cases live up to a year, you know, in a small spacecraft with a small group of human beings orbiting the planet when you left your family back on Earth. And so being able to capture journals where the crew talked to the camera as if they were talking to the viewer and as if they were talking to a friend and sort of capturing that hyper intimacy and making the viewer feel like a friend really to the astronauts and so how to build that sense of relationship and sort of contrast that with the spectacular vistas of the planet you know and uh and so that's that's one thing that that we feel is a good example of both an outer and inner journey you know for audiences um, we also did something similar um, in 2016 uh, with President Obama. So in the final year of the Obama administration, uh, we actually created two virtual reality experiences uh, with uh, the president and Michelle Obama and their family as a way to communicate the experience of, of that time and of their eight years you know, inside of the White House and to try to capture through virtual reality a moment in time, a moment in history and preserve it in a way. So people can go back into those experiences and relive a time um, that is gone to some extent. Um, so um, so we did a project called the People's House, which is 
an intimate visit of the White House, and we did a project called Through the Ages, uh, which uh, is an immersion into the world of the national parks, the U.S. national parks, um, both featuring uh, Michelle and uh, Barack Obama. So again, we, we tried to do something where we have an outer immersion, so you're in extraordinary places that are hard to access, but you also have a very intimate perspective to explore that. And in this case, it was the perspective of the president and first lady. Um, so, um, so, so yeah, and, and then to your point, you asked about Traveling While Black. So Traveling While Black, uh, that was an interesting project. It was originally conceived as a film project. And I would say that's probably the only time that that happened in the past 10 years over all of the projects we did. Um, uh, director Roger Russ Williams, who's an Academy Award winning director, came to us and said, look, we have I have this project that I wrote uh, for film, but somehow he got in touch with people that said, you should look at our work. He became interested in what we were doing. And he thought maybe that's the right medium for that story more than film. And what he was trying to capture was a sense of empathy to the characters, was a sense of how can I make people feel what it's like to be an African-American uh, you know, traveling across the United States in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And um, how can I bring my audience to a state of not just trying to understand, but really feel, you know, and, and could virtual reality bring that? Um, and so we worked with him to adapt his originally film idea into a virtual reality experience. Um, one decision we made was to choose a location, in this case, Ben's Chili Ball in Washington, D.C., which has been the safe haven for uh, the African community of D.C. for decades, and it still exists today. And so we thought, let's just tell the entire story from that location uh, during day, during night, and, and sort of let's travel through time, you know, through that one location. So the story will start in, you know, the 40s, 50s, and gradually you will go forward in time and backwards in time and you know, that place become a time travel device. But through virtual reality, you know, you experience people in the community in all those eras and you feel like you're part of it across time. And it becomes very poetic, but at the same time, visceral and, and emotional. And um, and it it, it kind of hits the point that it's a very sensible medium and it's a very emotional and visceral medium. And and you get to feel things in a completely different way than if it was a film. Film is a little more um, generally, a little more analytical. Like you receive a film, you watch a film, you analyze what you get. And eventually, after a certain amount of time, you start to connect to the characters and you start to feel the emotions more directly. Right. But it's rare that a film begins. And in the first 15 minutes, you really do like feel the emotions 100 percent. You need time to sort of ramp up into a film. Uh, to sort of bypass the analytical and get to the emotional, right? Virtual reality has, because of the sort of human-centric um, language of the medium, you know, and because of the fully immersive and presence-based nature of the experience, it sort of hits you right from the beginning. Like it, it puts you in that in that visceral state of 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 response right from se second zero, and um, and so we thought that for a short form experience like this, um, that was effectively a good choice of medium if we, if we told the story the right way. And uh, and it was also a very interesting creative collaboration for us to work with someone who comes from the world of film. Uh, it was like very interesting to see those two worlds trying to kind of speak to one another uh, to create something special.
the stuff you're doing is so mind bending and mind blowing and so gigantic in scale. I just wonder what was the process like to go from collaborating on a smaller budget music video to this? Like what were the milestones that you hit that got you to this point? Because I mean, now you're sending cameras into space. It's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. Like it's stuff that I think as college students, you probably couldn't imagine. Yeah. Like maybe that's why you're here. Mm -hmm. Well, I will say this, there, there's two ways to look at this. What one is the projects are not fundamentally different. Like the, the, the simplest stuff we did 10 years ago, uh, what we tried to capture uh, when we did our first experience, Strangers with Patrick Watson, which was a one-on-one -on -one with a musician writing music in his studio. It was at the piano, just writing music and cameras there. It's one shot. It's one moment with him and his dog in his personal loft. It's so simple and down to earth. But the point was to try to create a full sense of presence, to try to make people feel like they're just present with this person and that they can start to feel the humanity and the presence of the person and they can start to feel their own presence in that space and 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 that there is an emotional buildup to just that you know before you even try to articulate a three-act structure or a three-act story and have you know do you see what i mean the complexity of a, of a of a of a bigger project the the core of it was try to capture that that emotion that state of presence and and i feel like that's the most precious thing in virtual reality and we've always tried to pick projects or to select projects that would allow us to do that, to explore that in one way or another. And I feel like even though the projects became bigger and bigger and bigger in complexity, um, the center of them, the core of them was always this quest for establishing presence and maintaining presence, uh, you know, through telling a story, which is not necessarily a simple uh, thing to do, because storytelling can actually take you away from presence and 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 sort of like take you out of the right mental frequency and suddenly you're just watching a 360 film. You're no longer in a full state of immersion. Do you see what I mean? So um, the complexity grew naturally. The budgets grew as well. Um, and But we were always ready to face bigger projects because we felt they were always attached to the right core, if you see, if you see what I mean. So for us, it's like, even though, yeah, like you think three years of like filming the biggest media project in space is a gigantic endeavor. But I would say for me, the quest for that is very similar to the quest for the very first project we did with, with this artist in the studio. I think it, 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 it attaches to the same core. And because of that, we keep a, a certain sense of balance by doing all these different scales of project. We, we sort of like find our way um, because of that. I don't know, Paul, if you want to add to it, but that's kind of what comes to mind. I mean, I think, yeah, certainly almost every project we've done, uh, you know, even with the, the Jurassic franchise, we were basically, uh, you know, going after this, the same thing. Um, and there's just, um, you know, I think it, it's such a, um, you know, I talked about paradigm shifts earlier. It's such a paradigm shift in in the way you you can even ex you can experience anything that that you you can apply to everything and experience that thing for the first time right in a, in a new way and and uh, in some ways a more profound way in other ways you know it's still a, a much younger medium than than cinema right cinema has like matured and 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 you 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 know you have 
masterful kind of uh, uh, handle of, on this medium by a lot of people on this planet. Uh, and this medium is just, it's, it's still growing, right? So there are certain things that it does just natively so well that if you just let it do that thing, you can apply it to almost anything and it'll it'll show you something about that thing that you you will you have never been able to uh, to experience otherwise uh and so i think that that drew to us to the medium and, and, and you know to us as we were using the, this medium all these amazing things because you know it, it, it just they there they were things that kind of needed to be experienced through the medium especially at what we we were we've been doing in space you know which is something we we wanted to do pretty much from the moment we did strangers our very first piece we're like well this is something that one day we have to try to to, to make a reality uh and then we just we just did everything we could to get there you know some filmmakers say that their goal is to create empathy or help people understand a culture that they don't understand or a country that they don't understand or something like that to sort of bring people closer together ultimately what do you see as your ultimate goal with this like your big picture philosophical goal well yeah um i think it's it's a very big statement to make but i but i still think it's true i do feel that virtual reality storytelling if it's well done has a very similar impact than a real life experience and therefore can help move the needle a little bit in regards to the advancement of human consciousness you know like so how do we evolve our consciousness as humans in the real world we go out and we have experiences what we read books we meet people we travel right we question ourselves like we sort of engage our minds in the real world right and that is how we progress because we're curious we explore right that is how we progress as individuals and as a civilization it's that exploration and i feel like virtual reality wants to help with that you know virtual reality wants to be able to engage your mind into not just passive storytelling where you receive something but to actually live an experience as if you were empathizing with the characters and 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 through the sense of presence of being there activating your mind in a deeper way being affected in a deeper way in order to move your consciousness forward you know and i feel like that medium can do that and that's that's what we try to do for ourselves as well. Like when we embark on a project, it's not just another project for us. We try to pick projects that we feel are going to allow us to go a little further, like as creators and as humans. Um, and, and we will discover things through the projects that will um, advance ourselves and advance our take on the medium. And, 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 and therefore we'll do the same for audiences. And so, I feel that's really what we're trying to do. Um, yeah. It's funny. There's an idea, maybe in some circles, that virtual reality is like a way of escaping real life um, and just like a way of hiding out. And what you're talking about is almost the opposite of that. It's like giving you yeah. better tools to function in real life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because it's the same language. Like it's it's a presence-based language. So it's a media that wants to speak the same language than a real life experience, quite simply. And uh, and and, you know, cinema is an abstraction from reality, right? It's uh, it's images that are put on the screen with uh, all the language of like a fifty millimeter, seventy five millimeter lenses and wide angle lenses, and it's 
it's beautiful and it's great, but it's it's an abstraction of reality, just like painting is an abstraction of reality. It's not fundamentally different. Um, cinema doesn't have the pretension to be real. Like cinema wants to be an abstraction of reality. And that's great. And I love cinema. I, I always loved it. But virtual reality is different. Virtual reality has the pretension or the goal to try to emulate reality in the sense. And I think it's a good thing. You know, you can use it for terrible things and you can use it for good things. And if you use it for good things, I feel like it's it, it, it wants to not substitute itself, you know, to, to the real world, but complement it, you know, ex extend your experience of the real world towards experiences that you could not have before otherwise you know okay. and uh and i feel like i feel it's not about escaping it's about enriching your experience of the of the real world um and that's definitely how we think of it you know we're just not interested in any way about escapism in general um as humans as artists we don't engage with those kind of stories we're not interested in telling them for us the focus is better engaging with the world, you know, not getting away from it. I love that. And, uh, yeah, I, I just thought that, you know, pe people don't need VR to escape reality. They're, they're already doing it using much inferior, you know, uh, simulations of reality, right? They're, they're staring at a tiny little rectangle for the larger the larger part of their day sometimes. And sometimes it's a larger rectangle on in their living room or on their desk. Um, you know, at least, you know, you, you will be spending less time in an abstracted, ver in a highly abstracted version of the human experience, you know, when you'll be interacting with more spatial medium, like, like virtual reality. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you guys a personal thing that I hope you won't think I'm a complete moron. But when I was in high school, I guess, my friend, we got, we smoked pot, we went and saw Jurassic Park. And I was at the point in my brain where I was like, oh, these dinosaurs are real. And we're just looking out a window at these real dinosaurs. And that's really cool. This is how messed up I was. But when I watched your Jurassic video, I kind of felt that same feeling of like, oh, no, these are real. This is actually, but un unaided by drugs. Unaided. Um, I was watching it going, this is exactly what it would be like to have a, have a dinosaur come up and sort of sniff you and figure out what you are. And it does remind you that you're part of a continuum of life and that you're on a planet that has a long history that precedes you and that things are much bigger than your, you know, your commute and your and your chores and the things that you do. It's, it is very mind expanding in a natural and good way. And I just I mean that as a very high compliment. I think what you guys are setting out to do is just the coolest. The coolest use of this technology possible. I really, really like it. Um so and it's simple. it's simple at the same time, like the stuff you're it's not simple to make, but it's uh, what you're talking about or what we're talking about is not a complexification of storytelling. Do you see what I mean? It's not like, oh, now we're like at 17,000 cuts a minute, you know, like it, it's not like uh, now it's it's more drone shots and more whatever, like split screens. And it's not a complexification of the the of the visual apparatus of. Of, of film it's actually a simplification it's actually a a sort of like trying to go back to how our minds work you know and how you 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 process 
thoughts, you know, which is generally not like that. Like it's not like a machine gun. You see what I mean? Generally things flow into like a thought flows into another thought and it has a flow and it has a rhythm. And it feels like the, the, to me, like the, the try, the kind of storytelling we're trying to make and is inspired more by that flow of the natural flow of, of consciousness than the flow of cinema do you see what i mean like so it's it's kind of, i mean I, I think there's a quest for simplicity in in that yeah 2001 is such a great comparison with what you do because when you're first watching it you know there's the whole sequence with the bones and the monkeys and everything and you sort of settle in and go what is this movie this is ridiculous and then there's a long spacewalk and a lot of other very long slow sequences where it's just sort of acclimating you to this world and then by the end of it it's taking you on this incredible trip through who knows where. Um, and you're along for it if you've done it right, if you've watched it right, if you haven't watched it on an airplane or something, <laughs> on a yeah. tiny screen. Um, yeah, I really, I, I think I think it's great that you chose that film as an example, especially as it ties into the work that you're doing now with, with space. Um, so just some logistical stuff, who does what? Like, how do you divide up the work? What does your day-to-day -day look like? Um, so right, you know, as of now, we're about 80 people at the studio, um, eight zero. Um, and, uh, and, and I would say the vast majority of the people working today at the studio, uh, operate on the process and technology side of things, because everything we do, uh, requires tools, requires, you know, new software, new hardware, new processes, you know, whether there, there are interactive projects based in Unreal or whether there are cinematic projects based on our existing pipeline of 3D 360 cinematic production, um, we always uh, need to upgrade things, change things, and then suddenly we have a new project that comes around or new ideas, and we need to upgrade the entire technology technological suite uh, of equipment we've, we use. And so there's a, there's a, a huge technological support uh, here at the studio. And I would say, um, Paul does the bridge between the uh, entire technological initiatives and the innovation side of the studio and, and the creative, the pure creative development. So he spends probably half his time working with me on creative development and the other half working with the rest of the team on, on orchestrating the evolution of, of the technological side of things. And I would say I spent about 5% of my time doing that and 95% of my time focused on creative development of the project and a general direction of the project. And so that's pretty much how we, we split the work. Stefan is our co-founder um, and he's really on the business side of things. Um, so he leads that. Um, and then we have, you know, a group of execs that handle all the different verticals from production to interactive to financials, you know, et cetera, post-production, et cetera. So, yeah. Um, what year did it all start? The first project was 10 years ago. Um, yeah. what, year was, what year was the music video? I mean, when did that begin? The music video was in 2003, actually. So we've been, I think oh, this year, we're, we're, we've been working, Paul and I, for about 20 years. Um, wow. Yeah, which is kind of crazy looking back as it went so fast. Um, but uh, yeah, that's what happened. From, from music videos to commercials to um, uh, cinematic immersive installations, holographic installations, virtual reality, 
um, then, you know, more complex projects in virtual reality interactive eventually that virtual reality came came in our field of activities um, and space projects, you know, so it, it's been this kind of journey of constant evolution, transformation. Um, and I think we never had the feeling that we were repeating ourselves in any way. Like it's been this kind of sense of constant exploration and, uh, and, and I think now we're addicted to it, you know, like, uh, yeah. Um, so much good music was coming out of Montreal in 2003. Some of my favorite music ever, um, bands like stars is one of my favorite groups ever. Who, who was the video for? Can you say? Yeah, at the time it was a electronic artist called Akido, um, A-K-I-D-O. Um, awesome. Yeah, and uh, he's a talented musician, makes a lot of scores for films and stuff nowadays. But um, yeah, we did, uh, we like those bands as well. Um, yeah. And you're right to say that it, these were interesting years for uh, the music scene in Montreal, for sure. Yeah, I, I saw stars in Montreal in about 2000 eight and it was one of my favorite shows ever because like the snow had just started falling and it was all beautiful and there were lights everywhere and yeah i i one of the reasons i love montreal so much probably is the music um so at some point when did it really ramp up when did it ramp up to these huge projects like did did investors come in at some point is there anything it, it was super fast so basically uh i would say one of the turning points was 2014 we actually had finished strangers which was our first project we started to um think about the united states because we came from montreal but there was not a lot of understanding here at the beginning of what we were doing uh, it's a smaller economy it's a smaller industry and so we thought okay we have to go to the us and and it turns out that um oculus was based you know in the valley and there were other creators other artists who were creating uh, virtual reality experiences in Los Angeles. And so we thought, okay, that's that's where people are. So the initial meetups for that community were in LA. So we started to do a lot of travels uh, there, found an agent, uh, we later became a partner and started to meet everybody in, in Hollywood and showing them what we were doing. And there was a meeting with uh, Colin Trevorrow who directed the, the latest Jurassic World. And, um, and, uh, and and he was interested in doing something as a companion experience for uh, Jurassic World, the first uh, revival of the Jurassic Park series from Spielberg. And uh, and so we met with him and he watched Strangers and he said, coming out of it, could you do the same thing with a dinosaur instead of a human? You know, and uh, and we thought, oh, that's great because he, he got it. You know, he wanted to see if we could create this intimate experience with a creature, you know, like in in. And so we said, yeah. And so we did it. And that project um, was a big deal because it was the first uh, project done with a big movie franchise, with a big IP, you know, and uh, it was done with Industrial Light and Magic and ourselves. Um, and uh, and so that generated a lot of interest, momentum. Uh, in parallel to that, we started working with Cirque du Soleil. Uh, They're based here in Montreal and uh, we co produce with them a series of adaptation in virtual reality so restaging of existing shows for the medium of vr not captations we were never interested in doing captations but we spent a lot of time with the artists and the stage directors and all the people involved to sort of create a mini version of the show but all created for the format of vr um, and we did that in parallel to the jurassic experience 
And uh, and then one day um, we got a call from the Clinton Foundation and uh, President Clinton wanted to do a project in virtual reality um, in uh, in Africa, in Tanzania and Kenya uh, to talk about the work he was doing there with the foundation. And uh, they had seen our work. And so we said, go, let's do it. So we did that project. And then it turns out that uh, the Obama administration saw this because they were in the same world um, and uh, and saw other work we had created. And they commissioned us to come and propose something, create something for them. Um, and, and that opened the doors to NASA. So it was really like, do you see what I mean? Like one thing led to another thing, which led to another thing and everything happened in parallel. So it it was extremely fast. You know, we launched a studio uh, early 2014. And by the end of 2016, we had already done, you know, experiences with the Obamas, with LeBron James, with um, Drake. Project never materialized, unfortunately. But uh, a lot of things happened, with, you know, just within two years. And um, and it was all a matter of it was all a matter of working with the right people at the right time and doing good work, you know, and people wanting to continue the adventure either directly with us or by recommending that we work with other people. And it, it's just the way it was. Yeah. Uh, who's the agent who became your agent and came aboard with the company? Uh, Brian Besser at Verve. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um. What should I have not asked? What have we what have we missed, if anything? My my mind has been a little blown, so I feel like I've started off with a list of questions and then kind of went over here and over here because this is really cool. <laughs> Maybe uh, a bit about you know what's what's coming up next and 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 you know what what at least we're up to. Um next. What's the idea? Uh, yeah. What is next? Yeah. So, um, you know, Felix mentioned the infinite, which was which is our, our large scale um location-based uh, experience, right? Where where um, we have uh, up to a thousand visitors a day and it's, it's a touring exhibit uh, launched in Montreal a few years ago. It toured the US, it's now back in Montreal and just opened in Vancouver. And um, this has been for us a, a great way to have uh, a direct uh, con uh, contact with our audience, right? Rather than putting something on the platforms and wait for those platforms to to grow and become more mainstream and accessible, uh, we we have access to a universal audience. Literally, people of all ages. We were talking about the types of audiences, right? That 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 get to see our content, and this is truly a universal audience. Like school buses, you know, people in their nineties, everything in between, single, family, all of it. And um, we kind of fell in love with that format. Um, and not only is it is it a universal audience, but it's kind of the ultimate um, manifestation of VR because you're in a large open space. You're not just sitting there. Even even if you were in an interactive experience at home, you're limited to, you know, the size of your living room space or, or, or whatever it is. Um, so you you truly have a hollow deck to work with. It's also a social experience. You, you're in there with a you know over a hundred people at once. Uh, you could you could tell your 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 friends and family members from you know, the people you don't know. So this has become uh, a large focus uh, of our studio now. So we are working on, you know, another show uh, that is, uh, you know, hopefully going to come out in the next uh, year and a half or so. 
uh, that's uh, already about a year uh, in development. Uh, we're developing a few other shows with some of the partners we've worked with uh, in the past as well. And uh, so we, we see this as a great way, uh, you know, at least these next couple of years in between, you know, you know, we're still working with the platforms, of course, we're still releasing content uh, for the at-home market. Uh, but uh, until that becomes large enough to become an, you know, an exclusive focus, um, you know, we're really, really, really uh, in love with this, this, this large scale format. And, and in fact, even when the home market becomes mainstream, uh, you know, I think we're still going to want to create these. In fact, that could become the, ma the main thing we do for, for the rest of our, our company's uh, lifetimes. Who knows how things are going to uh, evolve. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, um, I, I think, also really a really a great way for people uh, to to get introduced to to our work to the medium, right? Because um, you know when someone's showing you something at home, right? Because most people's first times with VR is at someone's home who has a VR headset, right? Uh, a lot more people have tried VR that way than have actually bought a headset, right? So we're creating a really you know impeccably curated first timer experience here right like 70 percent of our visitors are first timers yeah. and you know we have incredible incredibly positive feedback on, on on this experience and you know it's you, you talked about people who try vr and love it and try pr people who try vr and hate it we want to do everything we can so that every person who tries vr has a great experience because you can turn someone off for years with just one bad experience or you can turn them into passion, passionate, uh, you know, VR, VR lovers uh, if you do it right, right? And so that's uh, one thing, you know, it's not just about the content, it's about the whole experience, the onboard, from the minute you walk into that building. In fact, with the next show, we want the immersion to begin before you even show up at the show, right? We want everything to be, everything related to the experience to be immersive, right? Uh, and I think that's uh, as powerful uh, a way as you can uh, live a, a story. So, you know, why not? Li why limit it to the moment you put that headset on? Well, for people who want to experience all of these, all of these offerings, what do they, you recommend they go out and get? Like, what do they need? So for now, there's two ways to do it. Um, if you go on the Meta Quest store, um, and if you have a Meta Quest, uh, you can access most of our content for free there. So um, we have a licensing agreement with Meta, uh, especially the space content, which is basically what we have done for the past almost three to four years. Um, this has been the focus of our production efforts. Uh, and all of that is available for free on the MetaQuest store. Um, so the Space Explorers experience. All of the space content is under Space Explorers. Um, uh, and let me just... Uh, uh precision here so uh it, it the space explorers content is on the tv app uh of uh of the quest uh so not on the store itself mm -hmm. um most of our library uh hopefully by the time people hear this uh if it's a, a few weeks from now uh the yeah. uh the bulk of our collection will be back online it's it's currently on hiatus as we update uh and uh and uh remaster a lot of our content right now so you can mainly access the space content on the TV app um, and the um, uh, and, and some a few other experiences, but the bulk is uh, coming back soon, better than ever. 
And how do I access the MetaQuest store? So uh, the Quest itself, when you when you when you buy one or when you're using one, uh, has a couple key kind of native apps. One of them is is the the store, which is much like the app store on your phone. <laughs> and there's also a uh, a TV app, which is also a native app of the Quest, where you can access uh, video content. This is where uh, most of our content currently resides. All the space content is there. A few of our other pieces, such as Traveling Well Black, are there as well. Uh, and then eventually on the store itself, you could download apps. Uh, so the Cirque du Soleil content will be uh, back up very soon. So that's something you can access through the store. And then eventually there's a Felix and Paul app and also a Space Explorers app that are kind of richer uh, experiences, richer ways to, to access uh, our collection of content. And there's the um, out of home. So if you look at Space Explorers, the infinite, that's a traveling show. Uh, and we're at two places at the same time in North America. So we're doing about four months per city. So right now the show is both in Vancouver and Montreal, but soon it's going to be in Denver, Miami, and then Houston. Um, and uh, so it's going to go to basically all U.S. cities in the next eight years. <laughs> yeah. And a really awesome in-depth way to understand everything that you're working on with visuals is the web series Inside Felix and Paul Studios. Um, which people can watch on YouTube and on Meta, I believe. Uh, yeah. So, so what we aim to do that uh, for that series is try to give people some insights as to how we do what we do and uh, and and what goes into creating those projects. Because uh, for for ten years now, we've been asked questions about how do you capture a project in space? Like, how do you film in space? What kind of technology? What how, what kind of relationships do you need to build? Um, I think people generally have an interest for behind the scene um, visuals or context, whether that's for film or for potentially other, other mediums. But when it comes to virtual reality, it's particularly obscure for a lot of people because they look at it from the outside and they don't necessarily know how, what that is, what that format is, what that technology is, how it works, what kind of team you need to do that. Um, you know, in the world of film, it's more, it's most commonly known, uh, you know, what goes into making a film because it's been around for a century now, you know, and there are film schools out there, you know, with specialization into all the different verticals of film production. But when it comes to virtual reality, you know, how does that work? Do you actually edit? Like, how do you post-produce? You know, and what's the difference between like 3D and just monoscopic 360 medium and uh, what those, those cameras look like and why certain projects look good and others don't? And what, like, what goes into the science of this, you know, and, and the philosophy behind this? And so we thought that um, partnering with Canon to do this series was a good idea to sort of like bring people on board and, and get people interested about creating in this art form because we want this um, industry to grow and it's been growing tremendously for the past decade, but it's still a young industry and it doesn't have yet the scope of cinema, you know, or, or the, the entire video game industry. And so we wanted to keep scaling. And so we think, you know, let's talk about what we do and, uh, and help potentially new creators to be inspired and find answers to questions they might have.